0: I'm Luka Dončić and this is Locked On Mavericks Podcast. This is gonna be huge! 360 in the contract, never that, I just take the contact, I bring it back, I'm running on the fast break, behind the back, yeah this that, this that, this that, Dirk with the
1: Welcome, you are locked out the Dallas Mavericks. This is Isaac Harris of Maps.com, one of your co-hosts of this podcast, and I'm not joined by Nick Angstead, unfortunately, today, as he is still uh, on vacation, visiting some family in Kentucky. Actually, if you don't follow him on Instagram, go to his Instagram and watch the cool video of him surprising his parents, uh, where he drove up from Florida, surprised them, and it was a really heartwarming video. Brought a tear to my eye as to see family embrace and be surprised and all of that. So that was super fun. But this podcast is brought to you by Built Bar. Built Bar is a protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. Go to BuiltBar.com and use the promo code LOCKEDON and you'll get $10 off your first order. So yeah, today is part two of my conversation with Melvin Hunt, assistant coach of the Atlanta Hawks, former assistant coach of the Dallas Mavericks for three years. Uh, from 2015-16 to 2018-19, I believe. Uh, Yeah, if you haven't listened to yesterday, go listen to yesterday as we talked about Luca versus Trey. Uh, that whole thing was super fun to talk about because Melvin's obviously around Trey all of the time and hearing Melvin uh, talk about uh, Luca and how when he was on staff in Dallas the year before they drafted Luca, how much Dallas liked him and how, how he had all these notes on Luca and all of that. So uh, that was fun to talk about. I had him compare the rebuilds uh, from Dallas, uh, from his time in Dallas to his time in Atlanta right now. So that was fun to talk about. And then we talked about um, his thoughts on Disney. And I I know it's kind of a cheap shot. I threw a joke in there asking him, hey, what he thought about Atlanta's uh, Disney schedule. Uh, So yeah, that anyway, it was fun. Uh, We have a a cool relationship. So I was totally joking with it, but it was a, a lot of fun to throw that jab in there. Because the Hawks are not playing at Disney, so real quick news stuff, and then uh, we'll get started talking about events. But uh, because I haven't covered any news things in the NBA, or at least some going down through a list here uh, of things that's happened over the past few days, as it feels like something new is going on each day. I'm sure you've seen by now, but Spencer Dinwiddie and DeAndre Jordan of the Brooklyn Nets have both came out on their uh, Twitter and their social medias and announced that they've tested positive for coronavirus. Uh, Dinwiddie is still up in the air, I think, on what will happen with him uh, going to Orlando. DeAndre Jordan has already said that he will not partake in the restart in Orlando. So, uh, monitoring Brooklyn because Brooklyn's low key missing a lot of players now, as it's not just Durant and Kyrie, but now DeAndre Jordan. Uh, and you know, if Dinwiddie sets out too, what gosh, what are the Nets even doing in Orlando as far as? Um, what are they trying to do? Will they uh, relinquish the seventh spot in Eastern Conference? Either way, we'll see what happens with that uh, today. Woj, uh, I haven't looked in this story a ton, but it's just worth mentioning. You can go to Woj's Twitter. Woj tweeting out that multiple people in Denver's traveling party have tested positive, so I think they're shutting things down there in Denver for a few days. And that's something to remember that a lot of these traveling parties from these different teams that are, will be going to Orlando, they're getting tested every single day. So. In a way, the 16 out of, what, 302 that got tested last Tuesday was a positive number, like, for what it's worth, and you know, one positive thing is not uh, not great at all, but a lot of people expected that to be a bigger number, but that was just for that one day. I don't think that that was counting uh, positive you know, tests that came back a week before that. Maybe, like, did Jokic count on that on those Tuesday tests? I don't think so, and now, since they're getting tested every day leading up to Disney, we could see more positive tests like the DeAndre Jordan one, the Spencer Dinwiddie one. So, um yeah, that, and we're mon- everybody's monitoring that uh every situation uh, regarding uh, coronavirus stuff, COVID-19 uh until they all leave their markets and go to Disney. So, uh you've also seen the reports about how the players and the NBA are going to work together to bring a, a a bigger spotlight on the Black Lives Matter Black Lives Matter movement going on um at the current moment, they're discussing different things. I know ESPN reported that Black Lives Matter will be on the uh, court uh, some, some, to some degree, maybe mid-court. I know both of the sidelines. And then, uh, yeah, there's a bunch of discussion going on right now of what could happen on the back of players' jerseys, them having the option of putting a word or a phrase to bring another spotlight to the movement. So that's something uh, I'm monitoring to see uh, what the NBA and players come up with uh, that on a... Mavs news thing. The Mavs start practice today if you're listening to this on Wednesday, July 1, which is crazy that it's already July and it weird it's it's just wild. It people told me when I was younger all of the time that hey, when you get older time flies and it just feels like everything just goes so much faster and yeah, um, I believe that. So it's uh, July 1 and uh this is where Uh, Today, the Mavericks in Dallas will begin practicing, and man, for the first time in a very long time, and uh, there'll be a lot of stuff that come out of that. Uh, Some news come uh, out of that. I know there'll be some uh, pressers and stuff after practice. And if for some reason you started listening to this podcast during quarantine and you've not listened to this podcast during actual season and you've got to experience uh yeah our podcast and what we bring post game and the next day and just different guests whatever we'll have all of the news uh, all the stuff man we bring stuff from press conferences uh, as far as audio wise and stuff onto this pod so uh you know you can uh, still be listening to this every single day we have a pod every single day and you can hear everything uh every news that comes out of press conferences After the practice. So now, let's talk about Vince Carter. Guys, y'all know, if you've been listening to this podcast for um, a while, I've been very vocal that my favorite athlete and uh, my favorite basketball player of all time is uh, Vince Carter. And obviously love Dirk. I've had the honor and privilege of covering Dirk his last... Uh, three seasons in the league and that I'll never forget that and I'm forever grateful for that and I've said all along my favorite three players of all time for me uh, was Carter and Jordan and Dirk and Carter was just different for me because when you know my dad helped get me into loving the game of basketball at such a young age and in particular the NBA and for my dad for my dad growing up it was two players it was Dr. J when he was growing up Dr. J was his everything and then it transitioned to Jordan, and that's where my love for the game began. And his love uh, for the game game began with Dr. J. My love it transitioned kind of hand of baton to me as a kid. It's like, all right, we're gonna both love Jordan. And I remember us watching, uh, you know, Jordan games together and taping them on VHS and running around the house when uh, they won in '98. And we talked about Jordan a lot on our Last Dance podcast, but. For me, uh, Jordan was my Dr. J, kind of like my dad, and then it transitioned to me, um, or for me, to Vince Carter. And man, Vince Carter was everything for me when it came to basketball. And he was the reason. Him and Jordan both is the reason why I love uh, North Carolina Tar Heels. Uh, Growing up in Kentucky, I mean, come on, like you just don't like you know North Carolina if you are in Kentucky. You uh, most people love. University of Kentucky basketball. I have so many friends. Uh, And then you have Louisville Cardinals. So it's like me liking North Carolina was weird, but I was always an NBA guy. My dad was always an NBA guy. So I would see footage of Jordan in a Carolina jersey. I would see footage of Carter in a Carolina jersey. So uh, I just had to to love North Carolina. But so I remember a little bit of uh, Carter's early days at North Carolina, some crazy stuff. He's super athletic, super fun. But then he goes to Toronto and that, those couple of years there, back to back, those 2000, 2001 years of him in Toronto, man, like that was, for me, that was like peak NBA, like for me growing up. The 2000 dunk contest, I can't even describe it. Anytime it's on TV, I know it's going to be on TV. I try to tape it. I I mean, I feel like I've watched that dunk contest so many times. Uh, I feel like I can point to the sky like he does. I feel like I could do the it's over uh hand sign like he was doing, and just the dunks that he pulls off. I remember having posters of those dunks and man just that that whole dunk contest was absolutely amazing and kind of goes hand in hand a little bit with the playoff series against uh Philly. And, you know, that second round series against Philly, Philly wins uh, that series in seven. But man, if a fan of Vince Carter, a fan of Allen Iverson, that series just hook it up to my veins because Iverson and Vince averaged over 30 points a game in that series. And it was just a blast to watch. Um, You know, he had early days there with Tracy McGrady, you know, cousins, uh, both super young, but it was just a lot of fun to you know watch those two play together. Um, I'm trying to just go through big points in Vince's career for me that always stood out to me. I've mentioned this before, but I mean, I still think that the greatest in-game dunk of all time was the Olympic dunk that uh, Carter had over Fred Weiss. I mean, just everything with that, the audacity to even attempt that dunk, and then you, you know, then you pull it off like like Vince does. It was incredible, and that's something I actually talked with Melvin about today. I mentioned it as we, uh, at, towards the end of the podcast, I asked uh, Melvin, I said, who's your for your Mount Rushmore of greatest in-game dunkers of all time? And uh, he has uh, a couple on it that I agree with, and then, man... He brings up a couple of names that will shock you that it's even... I guarantee you none of you listening will have the two names that he mentions as his third and fourth people on his Mount Rushmore. So please stay and listen to those two two people. But um, anyway, yeah, that dunk over Fred Weiss was amazing. His Nets days with Kidd and Richard Jefferson. I remember having this Nets... Uh, ger- <laughs> this Nets... Poster of Carter on my wall, man, and I just I absolutely love this uh, poster of Carter. He was like flying through the clouds, basically. Uh, But then you have obviously his three years in Dallas, and those three years in Dallas was like a dream come true for me because, like I said, I mean my favorite players ever was Jordan Carter and Dirk, and when Vince came to Dallas, I'm like, holy crap, this is a dream come true. This is two of my favorite players of all time going to play on the exact same team uh, in Dallas, and That was right before, yeah, that was right before, I'm I'm doing the math in my head here, even though you can't see me, but that was right before I actually moved to Dallas with my wife. So, uh, super pumped. I kind of, you know, I missed uh, covering Vince here in Dallas. But, game three, I mean, the shot in that series that Vince hits in the corner, I remember going just absolutely insane Um, just talking to people that was in the arena that day. I think Mark Falwell says that's the loudest he's ever seen that arena or ever heard that arena because, hey, you can't see sound. Um, But, yeah, I mean, that memory, for sure, Uh, just talking to people within the organization that just knows Vince and just everybody. I've never heard – Anybody over the past, since I've been covering the league that's been around Vince at this portion of his career, uh, because yes, there was a lot of stuff with Vince when he left Toronto, and I'm not even gonna get into all that. A uh, lot of negative stuff said about Vince back then, and understandably so, uh, of how he uh, got out of his situation in Toronto. But at this portion of his career, from like Dallas on, it's like, and, and since I've been covering the league, anything I ever heard about Vince was how great of a guy he is and how it's just, man, I love to be around him, all this different stuff. So yeah, his shot for Dallas is uh, years in Dallas and really just how he's finished out his career now. And, you know, Vince is a guy that could fit anywhere and be on any team at this point in his career. And the unique path that he chose to, Hey, I want to, I don't want to ring chase, you know, like he could have, very easily joined a team like Golden State or some of these other teams and, you know, chased the title and came off the bench and had a role for some of these teams. But he didn't want that. And we've seen, you know, he's been on eight total teams. But look at the teams he's been on over the past handful of years in the league, whether it's from Phoenix uh, to Memphis to Sacramento. And now, you know, not in order there, but now his past two years, it kind of leads up to his days in Atlanta. And he spent the past two years in Atlanta. And this is where Melvin Hunt comes in. You know, I love Melvin Hunt. We uh, built a relationship when he was here in Dallas, and he he goes to Atlanta to join uh, Lloyd Pierce's staff in Atlanta. And he's got the honor, man. I've been so jealous to spend the last two years with Vince Carter uh, as one of his coaches, and I didn't know this, but Melvin shares this on the pod that Melvin was the assistant that got to work him out every time. We've talked about, we've explained on this podcast before that you know pregame, before a, a game tips off, is that before the national anthem, and everything, you know, players come out individually and go through a pregame routine. Well, each player is assigned an assistant coach, and that assistant coach works out that player at a designated time before each game. And so Melvin was assigned Vince, Vince Carter, and so I mean. <laughs> I'm just over here like, you've got to be kidding me. Melvin's talking about how he he gets to watch film with him and work him out and have all these conversations. And I'm like, this is my my favorite player ever. So uh, anyway, that's uh, the main reason why I asked uh, Melvin to come on our pod so we could talk about Vince Carter and get uh, more stories and just talk about what a, a cool guy he is. Uh, So yeah, if you don't like Vince Carter, I'm sorry, this podcast is really not for you. And um, you can never listen to this pod again, because I don't know, I'm just kidding. Uh, But anyway, the rest of this podcast is part two of a two-part conversation I have with Melvin Hunt. As you uh, heard earlier, the first part of this interview was yesterday. The second part is all about Vince Carter. So I hope you sit back and enjoy a conversation with Melvin Hunt about Vince Carter. But first, let's talk about some cereal. Now's the point of the podcast I get to tell you about a cereal called Magic Spoon. You know, the, the cool cereal that we've joked about on this pod that Nick got for free and I didn't get for free. Uh, but Magic Spoon is a cereal that is keto friendly. It's gluten free, grain free, soy free, low carb, GMO free. It's literally like the healthiest cereal you could possibly get. And man, growing up for me, I ate all of the um, not healthy brands and uh, flavors of cereal. It's full of carbs, full of sugar. And here comes Magic Spoon. As, as an adult now, this is the type of cereal that I need in my life. Zero grams of sugar, 12 grams of protein, only three net grams of carbs in each serving. It has four flavors, cocoa, fruity, frosted, and blueberry. I'm trying to uh, get a box of the fruity flavor there, but it tastes amazing. It, honestly, it's too good to be true. Uh, so go to magicspoon.com slash MBA to grab a variety pack and try it today. And be sure to use our promo code MBA at checkout to get free shipping. Magic Spoon is also so confident in their product. It's baked with 100% happiness guarantee. So if you don't like it for any reason, they'll refund your money. No questions asked. That's magicspoon.com slash MBA and use the code MBA for free shipping. Blinkist. Man, Blinkist, it's literally like a secret weapon for for learning new things and getting ahead, especially if you're a person who likes to read. I love to read, but sometimes it takes a long time to actually sit down or find time in your schedule uh, to sit down and read an entire book. This is where Blinkist comes in hand. Blinkist is a really unique and it works on your phone, your tablet, or your web browser. Blinkist takes the best key takeaways, the need to know you information basically, from thousands of nonfiction books and condenses them down to only just 15 minutes so that you can read or listen to. There have been plenty of times that I've been reading a book and you're just kind of going past it, going through the motions. I'm like, man, I wish I could just take away the key points from this. This is where Blinkist comes in handy. It will take any of your, these books that you want to read. Sum them down to like 15 minutes, give you the key takeaways from that, and bam, here you go. Whether you're driving in the car, whether you're traveling, going on the next business trip, or you're making breakfast for the kids, Blinkist allows you to get the key takeaways from any of these popular books that are out there that maybe you're wanting to read right now. With Blinkist, you get unlimited access to read or listen to a massive library of condensed nonfiction books, all the books you want, and all the books for one low price. Right now, for a limited time, Blinkist has a special offer just for our audience. Go to Blinkist.com slash MBA, try it for free for seven days, and save 25% off your new subscription. That's Blinkist, spelled B-L-I-N-K-I-S-T, Blinkist.com slash MBA to start your free seven-day trial, and you'll also save 25% and only when you sign up at Blinkist.com slash MBA. Vince, uh... Vince, literally my favorite player of all time, going back to North Carolina, coming into the league and just everything, the dunk contest and playing in New Jersey and the shot in Dallas uh, against the Spurs and the playoffs there. And so I've been wanting to talk about him on our podcast and it just, everything clicked for me that you've been with him the past two years. And so I've never got to meet him before. I, he, I have, you know, obviously, I've, I mean, I've been doing NBA stuff for five years now, and I love Dirk. I love, you know, talking to people. There's one player that I got nervous <clears throat> that I, like, asked a question to, and it's Vince, and going into, like, his, like, media scrum uh, when he was playing in Memphis at the time is the only time I asked him a question for everybody. I was so nervous, and I'm like, dang, I, I've never got a picture, never met him, never, like, talked to him, and it still happens to this day, but, like, I was like, he's just the one person that, I've had his jersey and everything on my wall growing up, like it's just everything. And so you spent the past two years with him, but when was the first time you met Vince Carter? And yeah, what was, what, when did that happen?
0: You know, I, I, I'm, you know, I met Vince years and years ago. Um, I think probably when he was, I, well, I know for sure when he was in Toronto, mm-hmm. um, and I was in Houston, in fact, um, uh, with the Rockets and, you know, we were in passing You know, would see him in the summers, you know, during the games, you know, he, and, and, and that's what I wanted to say before I even get into the answer. It's so hilarious hearing you say that he's the one guy you got nervous about. He's probably, you know, one of the guys in the league who is the least in, I mean, intimidating. Mm. And he's such a regular dude. Like if you could if you could like do facial recognition and change his face, and shrink him down to about (laughs) 5'11", and you could just walk around with him and just hang out. I mean, he's so unassuming. He's such a regular guy. Uh, You know, Shed and all the guys, you know, back in Dallas, just to have me laughing, just telling me stories about, you know, their experiences with him. Because he's such a – I mean, literally, he is about as regular a guy as you're going to find in the NBA, which is so crazy because he's such a – like, he's been such an ambassador, not just for – the teams he's played on before, the United States, you know, playing on the USA teams. Um, Rudy T used to tell me about, you know, when he coached him in the Olympics, you know, how he absolutely just loved, just fell in love with the guy. Mm. Um, and one of my best experiences with him was, you know, competing, we, uh, we played Jersey in the second round, I believe it was, when I was in Cleveland. And uh, we had a great exchange uh, throughout, we had great exchanges actually, throughout the the series. We ended up beating them. But uh it was there was some great interactions because we put the least likely of guys on to to, to defend Vince. Not because we thought we had a chance, but the reason why we put well, it was actually uh, ex member, we put Sasha Pavlovich on in one year to start <laughs> the series. And Sasha, no disrespect, but I guess I am disrespecting. Sasha was not known for his defense. Sasha was a scorer, He's a slasher they're a really good shooter. And, you know, we put uh, – we made sure we put Sasha on on Vince to start the series. And I remember it like it was yesterday. The first – the first play of the series, you know, you line up and the ball's tipped. And Vince is expecting uh, it to be someone else guarding him. And he looks up and Sasha's right there. Well, we had – we had brainwashed Sasha into thinking he was the next coming um, Bruce Bowen. You know, Roger Bell, you know, we made him think he was the greatest defender in the world because we gave him one assignment to annoy and get under the skin of the calm, cool, smooth Vince Carter. And Vince would just, you know, he was so frustrated at first because he was like, Cause Sasha, I mean, literally guarded him like. You remember that guy in PE in your physical education class? They really couldn't play. Yeah. Just, <laughs> just standing in front of you. <laughs> yeah, yeah he's just standing in front of you. And he was always checking your breath to see if you needed a mint. He was he was always right up under your armpits. Yeah. Well, that's what Sasha did. And it got to a point where Vince – Figured out what we were doing, and he would just look over at the bench and just shake his head, laughing like, "You guys are so wrong for this." (laughs) But um, and and again, that's who Vince is. He was he was such a good competitor. He knew that he could also impact the series by kind of you know not necessarily fighting it, but at the same time, he didn't just accept it. He played his role and tried to stay within his game. But it was great for us. It was great for us to see see Vince Carter, you know, kind of get in a situation where We took one of our guys who, quite honestly, he he wasn't, you know, it wasn't one of our top two players, but we knew that we could sacrifice. And Sasha, he, he took the challenge. He said, my job, this series is just going to be to annoy Vince Carter. And I will tell you, he did a great job.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. I love, I love stories like that with, so later on obviously towards the end of Vince's career he's joined Atlanta over the past two years and you've been with him uh, there and one of the things you know for Vince he's never got the title before he could I mean he he could have a chance of going and joining any of these teams in the league and, and and being on the bench or coming off the bench for him and stuff but he's chosen not to and he's he's went to these stops, stops with younger players in Sacramento. And I think it was Memphis and, um, yeah. and now in Atlanta, what are the importance of guys? Like we see like Jared Dudley's of the world. And even in a sense, kind of what Courtney Lee is for Dallas right now and how the young guys just look up to Courtney, love him. How much has Vince meant to the young guys in that locker room in Atlanta?
0: Uh, you know, he's, He's been as important as, you know, another coach. Uh, he's been as valuable as having, I mean, well, he is. He's, you have a legend uh, in your locker room and there's so many, you have a legend on your bus, on your plane ride, you in the hotel lobby. Um, but at the same time, you know, he's, you know, he, it, the, the, the amount of impact that he's had on our guys over the last two years has been, is, is imme- immeasurable. Mm-hmm. Uh, you cannot really put you know value on it um and for the coaches you know i'm a selfish i'm going to tell you selfishly he's been great for us as coaches you know uh lloyd is 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 an incredible leader incredible coach you know and we have a pretty good staff um and i include in that staff a little bit of events you know a little bit of events you know how sometimes as a coach you know sometimes we throw with those softballs out there for guys to hit you know for their teammates to kinda, you know, sell our points and kind of, you know, um, endorse endorse what we're throwing out there. Well, you didn't have to really even throw lobs to Vince. You know, he was so uh, aware, you know, of, of the needs of a young player. A lot of times he would just do it on his own, and we didn't ever have to have to pull him over to the side and and you know and coach him up, you know, on what to say. He he always wanted to do the right thing, and you know, there was it's no coinky Dink as they say. Uh, it was no coincidence that um, Vince's locker was right next to Trey Young on the road. Mm. And then we drafted uh, Cam Reddish. You know, it was the, the Duke-North Carolina you know, deal was there. But we kept him – We kept him, and, and Virginia, for that matter, with DeAndre Hunter. We kept him always near those guys. And a lot of that was – we were hoping that that wouldn't be an issue. But uh, Vince embraced it. He wanted it. He like – he'd always say, hey, let me, let me uh, have those guys near me. And, you know, and, and I was fortunate. Uh, it's great when you get a chance to be the, connected to that guy. You know, I was the guy that got a chance to shoot with him before every game. I would mm-hmm. warm him up. We watched film together. You know, I was connected to oh, him. Oh, man, kind I'm of so jealous sense. now. Oh, yeah, you should be. You should <laughs> be. I, I mean, you talk about all the little the little nuances that, that a lot of times won't make SportsCenter. Mm-hmm. I, I did. I got a chance to experience it. And, you know, it, it gave me a unique uh, perspective and relationship uh, with, with Vince. And a lot of times, you know, we'd shoot after practice, and sometimes I would I would prompt it, but other times Vince would say, "Hey, uh, Cam and DeAndre, come here, let's shoot together," you know, uh, or we, Vince and I maybe watching film, and he'd say, "Hey, fella, Trey, come here, let me show you something," and the three of us were watching film. So he was, you know, he was, you know, very willing to help those guys. Um, I think every one of them, to a man to a man would come in and would talk about, you know, how much he's meant to him. John Collins went to the, uh, was in the dunk contest, scared to death, didn't know what he was going to do, compute, asking questions, just like any guy. First time in, in the contest, you know, what is this? What were you thinking when you did this? Did this happen? Was it organic? Did you plan it? Uh, should I do this? And Vince is just there. It was great. It, he was just there like a big brother, you know, figure, and he just kind of guided guys through stuff. And it was, it's really cool. Yeah. Really cool. I, I tell you, and, and and knowing the background as far as um, Vince wanted this role. I mean, like you said earlier, Isaac, he could have gone to some other teams and, and had a chance to make a deep playoff run, another one, or compete for a championship. But he wanted this particular situation. Um, and I think it speaks to, I, I, I got to be honest, I think it speaks a lot to how he views uh, Lloyd Pierce. Mm. I think he wanted to pour into him and, and have an impact on him as well as uh, our our, our group of young guys.
1: Let me tell you about rockauto.com. One reason to repair and maintain your cars is to save money that you can then use for other important things like maybe your rent or maybe some groceries. Why would you choose to spend 30%, 50%, 100% more for the exact same auto parts at a chain store or a new car dealership? Chain stores have different price tiers for professional mechanics and do-it-yourselfers. RockAuto.com's prices are the same for everybody and are reliably low. RockAuto.com always offers the lowest prices possible rather than changing prices based on what the market will bear like airlines do. RockAuto.com is for everybody and does not require membership or account login. Go to RockAuto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or your truck. Right, locked on in their how-did-you-hear-about-us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably, low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. Yeah, you talked about working him out. What is, you were there for three years with Dirk towards the end. What is it, what all consists of somebody like Vince Carter at the age of 42, I think, in this past season? What all does he have to go through to be able to play
0: well, I'm glad you mentioned Dirk because people didn't realize his his work days, you know, prior to games were amazing. You know, mm-hmm. the the day before the game, two days before the game, all that he put into it to get himself ready to play. I don't think people really understood, understood how much uh, he committed to that. Well, Vince was no different. You know, it's no secret those guys really, really got their bodies really lean, got themselves really, really conditioned. Um, mm-hmm just because they knew where they were chronologically. You know, you get to that, that point in your life, uh, that that age, and to be able to still perform with young guys, it's a pretty amazing feat. And so you'd see, I think the number one word is consistency. Mm-hmm. Uh, not a lot of ebb and flow. Not a lot of ebb and flow. It was always consistent uh, with Dirk and, you know, Dirk and Vince. Um, and that's like, you talk about just being committed, man. I just... You watch what they eat, you know, uh, day after game or night after game. You know, Dirk's got that, got that green glass bottle of, of whatever that water is, that, that water he always drank, that he drank every every single time. You know, Vince was the same way with the, his supplements and his, his weightlifting. I mean, those guys, they were so consistent. And, you know, the greatest thing for us as coaches was we're always preaching to our young guys how to be a pro. What does it mean to be a pro? And one of the words you use is consistency and being consistent, uh, sustaining. And, you know, all you have to do is, say. Like, some days I wouldn't want to have to talk about it. i just point over to number 15's locker and say, see that over there? That's consistency. And that was my conversation for the day, and I'd walk away. <laughs> you know, I mean, he was living proof of it. And so um, Vince he Vince has been, he's been great in that regard. And I know that, you know, with our young guys, some of them are going to have some really, really, really good careers, some long, strong careers. And I know for a fact, just like Vince mentions uh, the, the Oakleys of the world fondly, he talks about what they did for him. I know that the Trey Youngs and the DeAndre Hunters and the John Collins of the world, they're going to, when they, when they finish up their careers, they're going to be naming Vince Carter as a guy who, who, who impacted their careers.
1: Yeah so do you have any good funny stories any story that you want to share about vince whether it's on a team playing, locker room whatever it is a a good vince story
0: well i'll I'll say this one this is i mean and every day was like trust me as a coach you know i turned 50 this year and you got vince is in his 40s early 40s so music wise you know and, and, and coach pierce is in his 40s and Chris Jen on our staff, he turned 50 this year. And Greg Foster's 51. You know, Marlon, Mar- one of our other assistant coaches, he's in his uh, early 40s. He was a teammate with Lloyd. So we're all 40 to 50, with, and, I, and those I included include events. Yeah. We had so much fun. I mean, just talking over their heads. You know, like <laughs> you know, some, some of the cartoons I, I grew up watching, I didn't get it until I got older. And I looked back and I was like, that's what Bugs Bunny was talking about. You know, it was just it was just missing me. I was just giggling, and laughing. Didn't really know what I was laughing at. Well, we had a lot of that going on. Like you know, every now and then when we would put our music on, you yeah. know, you know, Vince is really really into. It. He's a he's a he's a hip hop head. He he played in the band. Um you know, didn't he go up, up
1: playing like a trumpet or a saxophone or something? Yeah, he played. I think
0: he played multiple instruments. And okay. his family, his family has a musical background. He has a the um. Um, a studio. I mean, he's hmm. connected with so he he has a great connection with Prince, you know, the wow. artist formerly you on know, Yeah, um, and, and I mean, the guy he's a music guy. He's definitely a music guy. But sometimes we would play music, or we just bust out in, into uh, some lyrics. And Trey Young and some of those guys would look at us like, <laughs> "What is that?" And so we always got a chuckle. We always could get a chuckle, you know, um, just because. You know, we all could relate to what we, to, you know, to our to, to those eras that we grew up in. So you know, we always had that. That was a constant. I mean, yeah, I that no. was a constant. I don't even. I mean, that was every day. And uh, but we had this one thing. We were all kind of in our training and our growth as coaches. You know, we were talking talked about you know this generation, how they see things differently, and sometimes you can get frustrated because some things that we assumed would be a good thing. For this generation, sometimes it's taken as a bad thing and vice mm. versa. Yeah. Some things that didn't matter. I, I tease my son, you know, I got a 19 year old son and my 22 year old daughter, I would tease them about, you know, back in the day, we wanted everything shiny. I mean, I wanted my ride shiny. <laughs> when I got in my little cheap, ugly little Isuzu truck, I wanted that blue to bling, I wanted it to pop. Well, nowadays it's matte, you know, matte black. Yeah. You know, you, I'm like, Mad black, I want myself shiny. You know, and so shiny's not in. And like, so you would think that, you know, if, if I were gonna buy somebody a gift, a young guy a gift, I'm gonna get him a shiny something. Well, shiny's not it. Yeah. And I would be like, why isn't why wouldn't you want this? So we always had that going on too. So one of these days we're going through our little training and we have been talking about something and um the lady who was teaching us, she made made it a point. She said, you know, there are times where, you know, you can look at the number six. And if you look at it wrong, I mean, I'm not wrong. If you look at it from a different vantage point, it can be a nine. Mm. And she was saying, that's how a lot of times our generation sometimes will look at things compared to the younger, this new generation. They'll look at it. We're saying, I know without a shadow of a doubt, this is a six. Yeah. And then saying, I know, without a shadow of a doubt, this is a nine. Well, Vince, and all his great wisdom, he said, or it could be a lowercase b. <laughs> and, we, <laughs> and we just busted out laughing. And so it was, it was kind of one of the things that we would always look at each other and just kind of get a chuckle on just because it was growing us as, as, as teachers, as, yeah. as older brothers, as dads. You know, it, it was giving us a chance to grow. So we would laugh about stuff like that, just perspective. Some things that we thought were totally obvious would, would not be obvious for our guys and vice versa. There were some things that they would just see, and it was like looking at a word search for us. You know, they, our guys, Trey Young would just pop it out, bam. I, he said, boom, 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 A, B, C, D. And, I, and I'd have to turn my head <laughs> and really, really study it just to see what it was. But that was the fun part of it. So... It's not a story. It's more like a theme, I guess. Yeah. But we were we were constantly living in that theme. And you know, when you get to a place where a lot of your players, like I coach Trey Young's dad, mm. you know, when you nah, when I you get to a, yeah, when you get to a place where you're starting to coach or have spent time with their parents, Vince played with with you know with uh, Steph Curry's dad. Mm. They were teammates. You know, when you get to that point in your career and in your life. You know, you have to really take your time and take take a step back sometimes, and just recalibrate things. and And Vince was really good about that, man. Isaac, I mean, he was really good about that. Um, but at the same time, he was a teammate. Yeah. So you know, we we got a, we we got the best of, of both worlds with Vince. Um, Pre games were always incredible. Um, you know, just his his approach with our young guys. I keep going back to it, man. I'm just looking at all these different memories where he was uh he was a voice of reason at times, you know, just to help a guy who was who was not really reasonable
1: yeah. and
0: he was he was the guy who kind of was able to help the guy see things from a different lens and so again it was it was every day every day was something
1: I guess he's been in the league longer than Trey's been alive, right
0: yes. <laughs> Yeah, that's, yes, even, that's,
1: that's a, Trey and Luca have been allowed. That. That's yeah, that's, that's perspective right there. Think about it that way. Okay, so two last questions. You are you get to you probably get to see Dominique all the time because he still does what broadcast stuff.
0: Yeah, still so does on television.
1: So yeah. then you have Vince. Who is your <laughs> top four Mount Rushmore in game dunkers of all time?
0: Ooh, I'm glad you said in game dunker. Um, those two without question yeah I mean those two I, I don't think it 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 you get past you can't have a list without those two.
1: the power I mean, that Dominique like just I mean obviously I didn't get to see Dominique play, but just watching all the clips and holly stuff the power and the like the strength that he would dunk the ball with it always amazed me
0: un- Unbelievable. unbelievable and, and you talk about an athlete I mean he was cut out of a rock God God grabbed the right rock and cut him <laughs> out of it and and, and designed that man. To 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 play basketball and to dunk of basketball. I mean, he's an unbelievable athlete. But with that being said, those two guys, it starts there. And I'm gonna mess you up a little bit. uh Oh, I'm gonna throw a little. You saying Dirk? No, <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but the guy that I'm gonna pull out is Robert Pack. Wow, guy from Louisiana. Hey, you know, I, Pack and I grew up together. We played we played summer league ball together, and. Robert Pack, some of the dunks that he pulled off for a guy that's only about 6'2". You know, some of his in-game dunks are, like, for a guy his size, you know, it's, like, it's ridiculous. It's, like, who does that?
1: I'm going to make a note of this right now. I'm about to go watch all these clips of Robert Pack dunks.
0: You really do. You need to pull them out because, I mean, uh, people in the the basketball world, especially around that time, they'll say, yeah, I I give you that one. There, There won't be a lot of fighting on that one. And this one, I'm I'm I'm, still, I'm going with another little bit of an, a of an obscure name, but I'm going with Richard Dumas. Another guy I played against in college, went to Oklahoma State. He had some problems with drugs, but he was incredible. He was a great guy. He you know, he, he just made some poor choices along the way, and he never really got his career off to you know where it should have gone. Yeah. Richard is about six seven, six eight, big hands, long arms. Um, and he played with Barkley, played on that Phoenix team. Those Phoenix teams that were really good. And he has some nasty in-game dunks. So I'm I'm not gonna put him in my fourth spot. I'm gonna put him in the in the finalist football, for my fourth spot. I'm gonna pull out, I'm gonna pull out Bronny. I'm gonna put okay. LeBron in there because he's had some wicked ones. Um and the gall, the, 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 just the. <laughs> the guts to try some of the dunks that LeBron tra- has tried over the years is, mm. is crazy to me. And you, you know, were I mean, with
1: like, LeBron in the early days in Cleveland.
0: Yeah, th- those five years with him in Cleveland, like, some of the stuff that you saw was ridiculous. I mean, you're like, who even tr- who even thinks to try to do some of these dunks? And he would try them. And, and you know, he, he knew he was gifted enough to pull them off. So some of his stuff was, like, was was crazy. So I'm putting... Those two in there as finalists, I want to get one more finalist. Who do I want to pull out? Because I'm, 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 I'm looking at Sean Kemp, but I'm not throwing him in there. Mm-hmm. Uh,
1: Dr. You know, J, maybe?
0: Dr. J, you could throw in there. Yeah. I, the the uh, Cooper
1: dunk, the rock the cradle on Cooper's head, that, that's one of my favorite in-game dunks of all time.
0: Without question. I mean, it's an unbelievable dunk. Um, I'm going to tell you this, some of Nate Robinson's Mm. game tip dunks and I had him in Denver you're like it was almost like someone was playing a gag on you like there was somewhere a trampoline on the floor and you just didn't know it was a trampoline out there but some of the stuff he was able to do so I mean there's a list of guys like you know you're going to slight some people with that yeah. list when you, but I'm telling you the Vince Vince, Dominique, and then you know obviously MJ had you know he's got some great in game in game dunks but Vince, Dominique, and I'm telling you, I'm keeping Robert Pack. So I'm, I'm, I'm saying it was an earthquake, and one of the, one of the uh, faces fell off my mountain, and yeah. I'm just leaving those three. I'm going with those three. those three.
1: Okay, I, I can rock <laughs> with it. I'm gonna, I'm gonna literally look up Robert Pack dunks after this, and Dumas dunks too. So. Yes. That concludes part two of my conversation with Melvin Hunt. It obviously ends in a weird note there because there was more to the conversation that was included in part one. But uh, yeah, stay tuned tomorrow. As a reminder, tomorrow the Mavericks start practice. There'll be uh, some press conference stuff, and uh, we'll be covering that here on Lockdown Mavs. And uh, talk to you guys soon. See ya. Peace out.
0: Boom.